Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. You open your Bibles to Joshua chapter 1 and let's pray. Fathers, we open your word. We continue to worship you. We worship this morning in song, in scripture, in fellowship. We worship around the cup and the bread today, and we worship by considering your word this morning. Indeed, you are holy. You are a wonderful God. You are forgiving and loving God, and you've given us grace to gather even today in your name and to share in this fellowship. And so we pray your blessing on your word as we open your word today in Christ's name. Amen. The theme from this morning's class that Gary uh, chose for us I thought was interesting. And the theme was coming home, coming home, coming home. In Joshua chapter 1, as uh, Moses is gone and the children of Israel have wandered in uh, the desert, it's been going on 40 years now, a year at Sinai, 38 in the desert, a year coming up the east side of the Jordan River, and they're finally about to enter the promised land. In verse 10 of chapter 1, So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, Go to the camp and tell the people, Get your supplies ready. Three days from now you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land your God is giving you for your own. And then this morning as we continued in the chapters 2 through 4, we uh, got to the point where They crossed the Jordan River, the waters were piled up to their right, they crossed to the west, and they came, and in verse 14 of chapter 3, so when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. The Jordan is at flood stage all during the harvest. And as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarephon. While the water flowing south, the Sea of the Arabah, the Salt Sea, was completely cut off, and the people crossed over opposite of Jericho. And the priests who carried the Ark of the Lord stood f- firm on dry ground in the middle of Jordan while all the p- Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed crossing the dry ground. And they have come... Home, as Gary titled our message this morning, coming home. They came home. It's kind of interesting when you stop and think about the history of this, that only two of these people have ever set foot in the land of promise, in Palestine, in Israel, in Canaan, the various names that we know it by. Only two people, Joshua and Caleb. The rest of the multitude had never been here. But this is their home. This was their promised land. I don't know if you've ever had the experience. I've had a few times in my life. Actually, we have some friends visiting from Minneapolis with us this week. When we moved back to Minneapolis in 1978, we lived down in the southern suburb, Richfield. A few years later, we moved up into town right by the church, and we moved into south Minneapolis. And it was kind of interesting. The house that we moved into was like blocks from the house that my mother grew up in. And uh, it just was just kind of interesting. I have very few relatives, just my, my uncle and my aunt and a couple of cousins. 
And, and I was living right, and it was always kind of ironic as I would walk sometimes and travel in that area between our house and Lake Street and where she lived, right behind Oliver Presbyterian Church, if you know Minneapolis at all. And uh, I just thought it was kind of ironic. Here I am, kind of home in a sense. This is where all my story started. Uh, my, my, my faith story comes from my mom's side of the family. She was the one who came to know Christ at Oliver Presbyterian. She didn't go there. She went to the Welsh Church, but she came to know Christ there and uh, grew in her faith. And that's where our faith story as a family started. And I, I was home. It was kind of interesting. I'd never lived there, but I was home. And we were here and moved back to Seattle one time. We went with Teresa's mom, went up to Lake Stevens, and we visited the farm that she grew up on. It was still there. The barn was there. The house was there. And all the stories that I had heard over the years, and I'd never been there, of her growing up. And it was kind of like it was home. It was kind of like this is Teresa's home. We're home where the story started. We went to the island of Rhodes where my dad immigrated from the Jewish community there. And I remember the boat pulling into the harbor of the island of Rhodes and stepping off and thinking, feeling like I'm kind of home, even though I'd never been here before. And then finally, when we traveled to Israel the first time around and the plane touched down in Ben Gurion Airport, stepped off the plane onto the ground, and I had a sense, for whatever reason, of home. I'd never been there. These people had never been there, but they were coming home. They were coming home because it was their home. It was God's promised home for them, and they were coming home. This morning as we uh, come to communion, I thought of what my thought, my heart was drawn to the Gospel of John. I'd like to ask you to turn there now, the Gospel of John. I uh, often at memorial and funeral services and graveside services, I read this passage from John because it is appropriate. We know that the disciples had a very unique calling, a very unique hope. They were told they were going to sit in the 12 thrones of Israel. Uh, That's a whole other study. Um, But, you know, as you come to this very, what I consider a very personal and very touching part of the Gospels, John 14 through 16. And our Lord Jesus, and John is very unique from Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Matthew, Mark, and Luke just give us a little bit of the story. John gives us detail of the Lord's last words with his disciples. And I think you probably know this passage. In chapter 14, verse 1, he says this. They've gathered, they've gathered together. They've gathered for what we call the Last Supper. He is going to die. He's going to leave them. He's going to be crucified. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms, or as we learn in the King James, many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. And, of course, Thomas speaks up and says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And as you read through this section of the Gospel of John, the thought that that really kind of came to to my heart in thinking about communion today as as we celebrate 
is this whole concept of Jesus going home. He's going home. And I'm, you know, as you, you read this prayer and there's, there's mixed feelings about Jesus going home because he's leaving his home here that had been his home for 33 years. Uh, he will never again live like this. He, when he comes again, he will come as the exalted king. When he came the first time, he came as, as the God-man, fully man and fully God, born into a earthly family, grew up with earthly brothers and sisters, had an earthly mother and father, lived in a community, worked with his hands as a carpenter, called these disciples, taught them, ate with them, traveled with them, poured his life into them. But he's going home. He's going home. And as you read this prayer and these words to his disciples, chapter 14, verse 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. You heard me say, I am, co- I am going away, going home. But I'm coming back to you. And if you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. If you really loved me, you would be glad that I'm going home. Going home. He comes to the end of this, verse 31 at the end. He says, come now, let us leave. And he goes out and with his disciples. And as you read through his, his comments, you'll see this theme several times. In chapter 16, and in verse 28, I came from the Father, and I entered the world. Now I am leaving the world and going back to the Father, going home. Verse 6 of chapter 17, I have revealed you to those speaking to God. Father, God, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me. They have obeyed your word. You gave them to me in the world. These are ours. They belong to us. And then in verse 13, I am coming to you, Father. I am coming to you now. But I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I am coming home. I am coming to you now. Verse 24, chapter 17. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me, because you love me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, So the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. And they leave that place and they head to the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus is going home. He's going home. And I'm sure there is a wonderful sense of joy and anticipation. He is going back to heaven. He is going to leave this sin-stained world. He is going to leave this uh, creation that, that he and the Father that was created through him. We know from Paul that all things were created through him. He was the agent of creation. This world of his that has been so tainted by heartache and sin. He's going to leave it now. And he's going to go home. But as he leaves and goes home, as he comes home, 
He is leaving those behind who are going to be his witnesses. And they are going to receive the Holy Spirit. And they are going to have to stay here. But what he tells them is, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And I want you to know I am going to come back and you will be with me. You are going to go home. As we come this morning and and share communion together, I want us to just, you know, we've meditated on God's holiness. And I want us to just pause this morning and just, you know, relax and just, I want you to reflect on the fact that Jesus Christ, holy God, fully God and fully man, completely holy, came to earth, lived a human life without sin, and because of that became the perfect sacrifice. But his, you know, the children of Israel, their route home was through the Jordan River where God protected them and parted the water, and they were going home, going home. Our Lord Jesus Christ was going home. But his way home could only be through the cross of Calvary. It is why he came. As he leaves his disciples and he goes out to the Garden of Gethsemane and the, and the pain is so great of what he knows he is going to bear for my sin that he is actually going to carry God's wrath against my sin when he goes across the Calvary. The, the pain is so intense, it says he actually sweat, as it were, drops of blood. And that's literal. That's not a metaphor or figure of speech. It was, it was so intense that his blood vessels actually leaked into his perspiration, and he, and he sweat drops of blood. He even prayed, Father, there's any other way, knowing there wasn't. Let this cup pass, but not my will, but your will be done. He is going home, but his way home is not through the part of the Red Sea or the Jordan River. His way home is not with the protection of the water walling up and walking across on dry ground. His way home had to go through the cross of Calvary and the empty tomb. That was how he went home. And because of that, we have this theme as believers in Christ. We see throughout the Bible. And I just want to remind you of that this morning as we gather, that we are going to go home too. We live here, but we have a home. And Paul says, the Lord himself will come down from heaven, in 1 Thessalonians 4, with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Our home is Christ's home. And then finally, before we receive the cup and the bread this morning, I think of the Apostle Paul as he came to the end of his life. He knew his, he was going home. He poured out his life for the work of the ministry to the Gentile world that God had called him. We've been, we studied that in the second journey of Paul in, in, in this last summer. But he says this, after all that he had been through, 
I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness. And he goes on to say, the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely, safely, safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's be reminded this morning, friends, in the midst of our busy lives and all that's been going on and excited about sports and this and that and the other thing, let's pause to remember today, we are on our way home. We are on our way home only because of the grace of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and that his way home was through the cross at Calvary. I want to invite our elders to come forward this time. We're going to share the bread with you. And uh, so they're going to pass the plates to you. If you will just hold the bread for a moment. Just, you know, the, the worship team is going to sing for us. And this would be a wonderful time for you to just, just to hold the bread, to be reminded of the Lord's broken body that it represents and the price that was paid for our salvation and the hope that you have that we are on our way home. And I, I also want to just say, if you're here this morning, I don't know all of you, I know most of you, but if you're here this morning and you have never received Christ's forgiveness for your sins, I'll just repeat what I said before. He died in the cross of Calvary. He paid for my sin. He paid for their sin. He paid for your sin. He offers you eternal life and forgiveness for sins. If you will but receive his payment for your sin and in faith acknowledge that you are a sinner and you cannot save yourself. Christ died for you. Receive Christ as your Savior and as your payment for your sins, and you too will pass from life to death, and you will have a hope of going home to be with the Lord, to worship and serve Him for all eternity. Let's continue to worship as we share this morning in the bread. The Apostle Paul tells us in the night that the Lord was betrayed, and he says, The Lord gave this to me, 1 Corinthians 11, and I pass this on to you, that we are to do this. This is why we share this is a memorial service. Remember our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, The night our Lord was betrayed, he took bread. He blessed it and he gave thanks and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is given to you. We reach across the continents. We reach across the millennium. We join our brothers and sisters around the world who share this bread and cup in so many different ways, in so many different places, and yet we share together with the body of Christ Let's eat together and have a moment of silent prayer. Father, we thank you that we can come today as members of your body, the family of God, in our brokenness, in our sins, in our humanity. And yet, Lord, as, as we have just uh, shared in this song, it, it doesn't matter where they place us when we're gone, we will be with you. And there will not be a split second. We will be out of your care. And we look forward to coming home. But while we are home here, we look forward to living for you and walking for you and celebrating the joy of our salvation and the resurrection of our Savior. And in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Before we serve the cup, I just want to remind you too that in this... Uh, passage from Joshua that we looked at this morning, and you probably covered this 
uh, in your class this morning. I kind of did it in my class, I wanted to mention it here, that when they cross the Jordan River and they're going into the new land, and it says that Joshua, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan from right where the priest stood, and carry them over with you, and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. And as they cross the Jordan River, and they place stones in the river, and they take stones across, and they come to the other side, to the west bank of the Jordan River, where they are now home in their land. And it says that they took those stones, and they put them up, and Joshua said, set up at Gilgal. The twelve stones they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, In the future, when your children ask their fathers, What do these stones mean? What are these, what is this pile of stones? Why are these stones here? You tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan just what he had done to the Red Sea. When he dried it up before us until we had all crossed over, he did these that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord is powerful and you might always fear the Lord your God. When your children ask you, why did you put this pile of stones here? It might be generations later. Uh, someday when I'm, I'm dead and gone and someone's going to say, Pastor Shemaria, who in the world was that? You know? <laughs> And uh, maybe my uh, great-grandchildren, the Lord tarries, maybe my kids will bring their grandchildren and bring them here to this place, uh, whether they live here or not, and come and visit and say, this is where our story began. This is where our faith journey began. Uh, why do we do these things? Do you tell your children? Do you, grandparents, do you tell your grandchildren? Have you told them your story? Do they know your stories? Your story of faith is your story of how Christ led you going to go to the grave with you? Or is it going to stay in your children and grandchildren's hearts? Why are these stones here? Why are they here? You know, I always appreciated this rock wall over here. Something about this rock wall when I was a kid growing up in this church that I sat over there on this side. It just always just kind of gave me a sense of security. You know that rock wall? It always made me feel really secure in here. And these, and these beams, I always thought these as kind of the fingers of God. <laughs> kind of dumb, I know. But anyway, that's, that's the kind of I thought, you know. And I thought that rock wall, it was, and it's, it's really secure unless you're sitting over on that side where I sat, you know. You might want to think about that. But anyway, this, this rock wall here. And when our, when our pastor, when we built this church, and I checked with my local architect, that whether it was put in place by place or stone by stone, when we built this church, there was a stone that's placed here in this rock wall that has the particularly slash of red. You see it over there? The burnt rust red. They all, they all have kind of a red. There's red all over. But that stone right there has the red in it. And Pastor Peterson reminded us that stone there is here to remind us of the blood of Jesus Christ. The cross of Calvary the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we receive this cup today and we need to tell our children why we do this. 
is because of the blood of Jesus Christ. There was no other way. So we're going to share the cup together to remind us of the blood of our Savior. This is a memorial service this morning because the Apostle Paul says, in the same way after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So the reason we do this and the reason the Apostle Paul was given this uh, proclamation for us is as we share this cup today, it's a memorial to the fact. It's interesting. He doesn't talk about the resurrection. He talks about the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. And as we drink this cup, it's to remind us that when he went home, it was to the cross of Calvary. You know, that rock wall really isn't holding anything up. You know that, don't you? It's, these are the things that are holding the ceiling up. This is there for aesthetic purposes. It's part of the architecture. But the architecture of this church, if you think about it, everything points up. And this rock wall points us up. Points us to the cross of Calvary and past it. We will be going home too. But while we are here at home here, let us walk worthy of the calling for which we've been called. Let us drink together and hold the cup for just a moment. Would you please just a quiet, silent prayer before you put it in the holder in front of you and give God thanks. You love God today? Isn't he good? Where would you be today? What might your life be like if it weren't for the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ? Let's drink together. Our Father, we have celebrated, yes, celebrated, the death, horrible death, a death we would never in this side of eternity begin to even get a glimpse of comprehending what what happened on the cross of Calvary when your wrath was poured out. Yes, the physical suffering, but also the suffering on our, our Savior's soul as he took my sin. We've celebrated that today. But we remember too. And in that remembering, we are reminded we are going home. We're all on our way home. We'll be there soon. But on that journey home, may our lives point others. May they point up. May our lives point up to our Savior, Jesus Christ, to our wonderful, loving, beautiful Heavenly Father, And may the Holy Spirit, who is with us now and is here on that journey with us, will lead us to lives that are meaningful and that reflect your grace and mercy. To that end, we give ourselves to you this day as we close this service and worship. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Morning as we leave, it's our custom also on Communion Sunday that uh, we do receive a, uh, just a special offering for our helping fund, our benevolent fund. And so um, today what we want to do is anything that, that is given, 
uh, beyond, uh, beyond your regular giving, is going to go toward Jacob's Well. And, hey, Dwayne, can you tell the ushers to make sure to get some plates out? <laughs> okay. And uh, Jacob's Well is a uh, faith grace, uh, faith-based Christian ministry over here in Shoreline in the Ballinger area. That is a, uh, it's a home for women and children. It's more than just a shelter, though. It's a place where they are nurtured. Uh, it is a safe place, and it's also a place where they receive uh, instruction from the Lord's Word. They fellowship. It's a Christian environment. And so today, is anything that comes in today, we're just going to put it all over there, okay? So if you'd like to help with that, uh, God bless you, and thank you for that. And God bless you for coming today. Thank you so much. There are so many places you could be today. You've chosen to come here and celebrate and worship and thank you for that, and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Lord, I, I pray that you would remind uh, remind us, remind the parents, remind the grandparents, remember those of us loved ones, that uh, we have a story to tell. And our children and our youth should know our story. And they need to know our story of faith. And they need to know how we pass from death to life. And they need to know why we have the hope of the gospel within us. And I pray, Lord, as opportunities come up this week and the week to come, uh, we'll tell that story. And that they will know why we come to worship you. Why we come to sing about your holiness. Why we come to sing about your love for us. Why we, as we've just sung, ask that you would help us to love you more. Might they know. So when they ask what these stones mean, We've told them. In Christ our Savior's name, we've gathered today. We leave with the joy of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Amen.